Hello and welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. Today we have a special message from Pastor Ryan Iverson of Love City Church. He gives us an amazing word on five things we can do to prepare for where the Lord wants to take us. Not only for us as a church, but for you in your own life as well. Awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles or your digital Bible, open up to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. And uh, we're, the kind of setting of our, 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 our scripture today is that um, we're, we're, we're coming into a new season. You guys are coming into a new season, too. You're moving into a new facility. Praise God. Let's say that again. Let's get a little more excited than that. You're moving into a new facility. Come on. You are moving by faith. You're uh, moving into a new season. Uh, a new era, a new, uh, a new season of your church. And as you move into this new season, there's some things that you're going to have to take on. There's some things you're going to have to do. But this is an exciting season. You've got to know, in the history of a church, getting your first building, building your first building is a big deal. That's a huge statement to the city that, hey, we're going to put our roots down. We're going to put a seed in the soil of this city and say, we are here to stay. We're not going anywhere. We're not just a rented space, which there's nothing wrong with rented spaces because I rent a space, but, you know, uh, there, there's nothing wrong with that. But I believe there's something powerful and beautiful about putting your roots down. And so I believe something supernatural is going to happen in this next season. I believe more people are going to be added to the house of God in Kingdom Church. Come on, we're going to have more lost people coming into the house of God and finding Christ. Amen. We're going to see more marriages restored and more uh, bodies made new and more healing and more restoration and, you know, mental illness will be restored. And my prayer is that you will find a deeper passion for the Lord in this season, that it won't just be old and stale and nasty and dead and moldy religious faith, but you'll actually have a passionate, intimate life-giving relationship with the creator of the universe that you get up every day and you're driven man I just can't wait to build the house of God because the house of God the local church is the instrument by which Christ will restore his people it's not a parachurch organization it's not missionaries I love them and I believe them we give to them we support them But the instrument and the tool by which Christ will restore the world, will reconcile the earth back to him, is through the Ecclesia, mentioned 119 times in the New Testament. And of those 119 times, 92 times was in reference to a local physical gathering. Of those other times of the time when you're sitting in Starbucks talking with your friend, that's universal church, brother and sister in Christ. But we have an ecclesia, and in this 92 times ecclesia, God is using this church to reach St. Albert. By prophetic word, by stepping out in faith, there's great things that happen. But in order to go there, there are some things you must do in the title. I don't know if you can see it, but it's time to prepare. It's time to prepare. Our story today in John, Joshua chapter 3, if you remember back in the very beginning of the story of the people of Israel, they were traveling by, by being led by Moses into the uh, desert. And they remember they crossed the Red Sea. And uh, really, the, uh, we, the Bible teaches us that in the first 24 months of their journey in the desert, God needed to teach them some things before they could go into the promised land. 
And so about 24 months, they went through testing and water and manna and the whole deal and the whole thing. And then they came after 24 months to the very precipice of the Jordan, and they were going to cross into the promised land. And as you remember, Moses sent 12 spies in, and they came back after a time, and they uh, 10 of the spies, 12 of the spies said, man, yeah, the fruit's big, and God's good, and it, you know it's going to be amazing. But, but 10 of the spies said, no, that's no, too hard, and it's, the giants are too big, and things are too difficult, and there's no way we can go into this. There's no way we can build that building and go into this new season. There's no way God's going to be with us. There's no way that God's going to support us in that endeavor. And two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, 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 guys, let's do this. And as you know, their faith turned to doubt, and their belief in the purposes of God and the power of God turned into disbelief, and they spent another 38 years wandering in the wilderness. 38 years. Some of you today have been wandering around for a really long time. You say, God, where are you? Well, I think it's time to stop and say, God, have I prepared myself for where you want to take me? He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God. He's a compassionate God. But I want you to know God wants you and I to recognize that in order to go where he's called us to go, we have to do something about it in our lives. And so we, here we are in this story 40 years later. They come to the same place in their journey. And now Joshua is this new leader. Joshua has taken over this new season. Joshua is this new leader for this new season. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through this text together in Joshua chapter 3. We'll jump back to chapter 1 and then chapter 2 for a couple seconds here in the beginning. But, but five things I, we want to pull out of this text to show you what they did to prepare before they crossed the water. So I want you to write these down because these aren't just for your church as a whole. They're for you. They're for your life. And I believe that there's some areas of your life that you haven't seen breakthrough. And God wants to take you to the other side in your life. God wants you to break through in areas of your life that you've been stuck for years. God says, no, no, no. Listen, I want to take you to the next level. I want to take you to the next side. Glory upon glory. There's breakthrough. There's joy. There's transformation. There's life for your marriage. There's life for your future. There's more for, what, for your life than what you have right now. But there are some things that you and I got to do in this journey to be able to understand what it is God, where God wants to take us. So the first one I want to just point out to you today, and then we'll kind of read this text as we go. And generally I read the text and then we jump into it, but I wanted to do it a little different here. The first thing I want to say here today, the first thing we see in this text of scripture is I have five words. The first word is courage, courage. You'll notice that in, in the story of Joshua, that Joshua came into a new season where he was now taking over these 1.5 million people, a new generation across the Jordan. And as they were go about to do this, we see that under Moses, as we, as we said, Moses had spies come back and reported. Two said it was good. Ten said it was bad. Here they are. And Moses didn't have enough courage to tell those ten spies to shut up. We are going in. I don't care what you say. I don't care how big the giants are. Moses responded in fear. You know, Moses died in the wilderness. You know, Moses didn't go in. Moses died on Mount Nebo. And God said, look to the east and the west and the north and the south. Look of what all that I had for you. Because you did not believe my name and uphold my name as holy, you will not go into the promised land. 
And so it took courage. And on the screen behind me, we see that here's the, the beginning journey for Joshua in chapter 1. And you're welcome to flip there, but it should be on the screen behind me. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, and uh, you and all of these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. And I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And when I read that, I believe that was a prophetic word for Harrison and Christie. Harrison and Christie, the Lord is calling you to be courageous in this season. I believe you've looked, I believe there's a, uh, even a, um, in your history, in your past, I, that, that you look back on and, and you've seen different decisions in ministry or just different decisions in life and you're moving a little forward and you're in this season thinking, oh my gosh, I need to have faith and it's a little nerve wracking to take on a building and to take on a new church and to raise the money and to do the thing. The Lord is calling you to courage because wherever your feet will tread, God will give it to you. This is a new season of a level of authority for you. A new season that when you walk in the room, people will, I know what this is like for the first three years of our church. I felt like I walked in the room and everybody felt sorry for me. Oh my gosh, he looks like he's struggling. Like, like, and I'm not saying maybe you say that about Harrison, but me, it's like, oh man, this is hard. You can tell it's wearing on him. He's getting tired. But it's something shifted in my spirit where I knew, no, no, God's called me to be the authority of this house. And this is a new season of special authority for you of courage. As you go into this next season, God will be with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God is with you wherever you go. Look at verse 10 and verse 11 in Joshua 1. So look what happened. Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving you on your own. Joshua heard God say to him, have courage, and he wasn't playing around. He said, okay, everybody get ready. We're going in. He hadn't even spent sent spies into Jericho yet. He hadn't even looked at Jericho. He hadn't even seen this massive structure. He didn't even see the giants. He didn't even see the challenges. He didn't see all that was ahead of him. He just made a decision. You know what? I'm going to have courage in this season. No matter what we're going to face, I'm going to push forward. No matter what's going to happen, I won't be discouraged. God has called me to this. I made a vow to follow after him. I've got the anointing of God on my life. I am called of God to do this in this season. And this is the word for you. And Joshua didn't wait. He didn't walk around and say, oh, hey, guys, what do you think? Should we go in now? Should we, should we go past this? You know, hey, you in the back, what do you think back there? Well, I think we should just not do it at all. We don't need a building. Let's just meet in a park. You're like, oh, shut up back there. <laughs> We're going in. It's a new season where the Lord's going to give you confidence to know, Lord, this is what you're saying to me. And you might have people around you that say, I don't know, Harrison. Uh, what about the money? And what about this? And what about that? And you're going to say, no, the Lord has told us to do this. And you're going to go forward. I've had to make some decisions in the last, uh, last few months with our church that was a very, 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 very hard decision involving some staff members. And I knew it was the decision we had to make. And I made that decision. And because of that, man, we have seen so much growth in our church. But I have people around me, don't do it. And don't, don't do that. And don't do this. I said, no, God has spoken to my heart. It's your responsibility to carry it into this next season. It's your responsibility. You're in Christian's responsibility to recognize that you are the man of God. She's the woman of God. God's called you for this season. God's called you. Come on, church, are you with me? 
God's called you. Because I want to hear you say amen, because I hear you say amen. Say it again. Come on, he's leading this house. Have courage. Don't be discouraged. Don't look around you and look at the crop right now and say, well, God, what, what? No, God has a future crop for you, my friend. And he's putting a new fresh courage and authority in your heart to believe that God is up to something. And so he was not only strategic, he did send spies in, but he was also courageous and said, okay, I don't even need the report. I just need God's word. I don't even need to know what the challenges are to get this done. I just believe the Lord's called us to do it. And the Lord's going to send people around you who will be your guard and your protector, and they will encourage you forward. Amen? Here's the second one today. Uh, If we're taking notes, presence-driven. Presence-driven. The presence of the Lord is the most important thing in the house of God. Yes, the word of God, and yes, ecclesiology, government, all those things. But I want you to, to know something about this story they put incredible value on the presence of the Lord. Let's read this scripture in, in verse 2. Now J- Joshua is getting ready to go in. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. And then two men started back, and they went down on the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given us the whole land into our hands. Notice he only sent two this time. <laughs> he didn't send 12. The Lord had surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people on behalf of Joshua. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and a Levitical priest carrying it you are to move out from your positions and follow it he says don't get ahead of God's presence don't get ahead of where God is don't move past it now what was the ark of the covenant you know this the ark of the covenant was a box of acacia wood overlaid with gold inside and out and on the top of it was the mercy seat that represented the very presence of God and the very place where God's grace dwelled in his presence the manifest presence of God but inside the ark of the covenant was a, the jar of manna representing God's provision inside the ark was Aaron's budded staff which represented God's authority Inside the ark was the tablet with the law on it, which represented God's word. So God's provision, God's authority, and God's word. We cannot get outside of those three things. We live in a world today in churches that get a little bit outside the presence of the Lord. And as the message paraphrase says it in Matthew chapter 7, Lord, Lord, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. They said, well, God, we, we built God projects in your name. And he says, no, 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 I never knew you. You got outside of my presence. You made this about you. You made this about yourself. You made this about your ministry. You made this about your call. You made this about your gift. You made this about your future. You made this about your life. You made this about your success. You didn't make it about God's house. You made it about your house, you. And what happens is, is we can tend to get ourselves outside of the presence of God. And we begin to move within the church. And as a church, we begin to move because we look around and see all these other things that are going on and all these other churches or other people's lives. I call this, uh, A.W. Tozer calls it the difference between imagination and faith. 
Imagination is something that you uh, uh, process with your subconscious. You see with your mind on Instagram one day, and you see this, this person has this amazing car, and subconsciously it embeds itself into your subconscious, and then you begin to believe God wants you to have that beautiful car, and you wrap God around it and say, everyone, God wants me to have this car because I'm going to drive people after church to Dairy Queen and get them an ice cream, praise God. And I'm going to serve the community with my new this and that. Oh, we need a $20 million this and that. Oh, because God wants us to. No, no. That's called imagination outside of the presence of God. But he says that faith is believing for things that already exist in the mind of God. Meaning that when you stay behind the presence of God's church, I'm learning this. We launched a missionary in the first two years of our church, and she came back four months later, and it was a debacle, and we raised all this money, and we launched a Bible college, and it was a great idea, but after me almost burning out, after spending all this time studying and doing it, I ended up getting like 30-plusers who just wanted extended education versus young people who want to serve the Lord. It was just, they were all upset, and it was just like, and I got outside the presence. They were good ideas, but they weren't God ideas. It looked like this or it looked like that. Or even in your own life, you pursue all sorts of things because you're watching social media or you're watching it on TV or you're seeing your friend. You say, oh, man, and you're comparing yourself to them and their progress. And so you say, oh, I want to follow after that. And God says, no, don't follow the person. Follow my presence. That's what's going to make Kingdom Church unique, not looking like Elevation and not looking like Hillsong and not looking like Saints Church and not looking like Love City and not looking like these other churches. Kingdom Church has its own identity and its own call and its own destiny and its own future and its own word and its own life. Stop trying to follow other people's presence and just make it about God's presence. You want people to walk into the house of God and say, God is in that place. God is in that house. Build your church on the presence of God. Remember what Moses said. He said, God, if your presence isn't with me, I don't want to go any further. How many times do we want to move forward in our walk with God or we want to move forward in our life? Or how many times do we want to move forward in life, but we haven't stopped to ask, God, are you in this? And so here we see that we have to be a presence-driven people. And you'll notice in the verse, the scripture teaches us What happens when we're presence-driven? Look what it says here in the scripture in, uh, in, where is it? Joshua chapter 3, 4. He says, stay behind the presence, get behind the ark, then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. I gotta stay in the very presence of God. I gotta stay in an atmosphere of prayer. I gotta stay in an atmosphere of God's presence. I gotta stay there. I'm not gonna move out. Why? Because I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even know what's next. I don't even know how to get there. And I know I have to look like I have to look like I know how to get there, but I actually don't know how to get there. That's why I just stay in the presence. I just stay in the atmosphere of God. I just stay in his presence because if I stay in his presence, then God will show me what to do next. He also shows us in, in Joshua 3, 9 and 11 that not only does he want to dwell among us, but he also wants to defeat our enemies in advance. Look what it says. And I think there's two slides there. You go to the second version of that one. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, all these ites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go, uh, go ahead of you on the, over the Jordan. Do you know in your life right now that 
I have a lot of people often come to me and just reach my kids. I have really amazing kids. Praise God. 13 and 11, just coming into the teenage years. And honestly, people say, man, your kids are so amazing. What did you do? And I'm like, um, my wife. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, though, like, I think sometimes in life, we are experiencing the absolute blessing of his presence, and we don't realize it. I mean, even as frivolous and small as getting in your car and you come up to the stoplight and you drop your phone on the ground at the stoplight and you reach down to grab this, the phone and the light turns green and you're delayed by 10 seconds and then you get up and you turn the corner and you start driving. Little did you know that within that 10-second frame, you were going to get in a brutal accident that was a divine appointment by the devil. See, we don't often enough give credit to God for all the things we have in our life. See, when you stay behind the presence of God, you are constantly aware that I have nothing to do with the successes in my life. It was the presence of the Lord. That when the enemy has a weapon formed against you in your life, the Bible says he does have a formed weapon, but it will not prosper. See, what you don't realize is the job that you have is from the Lord, and the, the finances you have is from the Lord, and the car that you have is from the Lord, and the relationships you have is from the Lord, and everything that you have in your life is from, no, Ryan, I worked hard for that. Oh, no, you didn't. He gave you the grace to work hard for that. Nothing you have in your life is from the Lord, and we will never be able to position ourselves behind the presence of God fully until we stop taking credit for the things that God did in our life. As we stand behind the presence, he wants to defeat our enemies he wants to devour our enemies. He wants to stop the tactic of the enemy to take my daughter out in that moment or my son out in that moment. Or He wants to stop the strategy of the evil one to try to tie up this building or try to get the finances to not come through. Or He wants to tie up something in your life or cause a, a relationship to fall apart that you're like, oh my gosh, when God says, no, 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 actually, I was saving you from something. I've got something better for your life. Or Man, why did I not get that job and that promotion when all I ever wanted was that job and my whole dream, that was a dream job. And God says, yes, but it was your dream and not my dream. Just stay behind my presence and I will make a way for you. That's the best part about serving the Lord. That's the best part about not trying to copy other people is that I just get to walk down the road of life knowing God will provide. God's word will come in my life. God will create opportunities. God will create financial moments. God will do everything that he needs in your life if you just stay behind his presence. If you just engage a relationship with the Lord, if you just spend time in his word, if you just put, prioritize your time with God every day, read your Bible every day, yes. be in the presence of the Lord every day, spend time with God every day. It doesn't have to be hours and hours. It could be a few minutes, but just spend your time putting God first in your life, staying in the very presence of God, and he will cause your enemies to scatter. Yes. Now, I know that there are enemies. Ephesians chapter 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Again, in 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh as mortal men and women, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Do not get caught believing that there is not a supernatural darkness trying to take your church out. 
If you're going to go into the next level, the next season as a church, if you're going to reach more people, if you're going to build more bridges to this community, if you're going to attack more strongholds of the evil one, you have to recognize that we are not in a natural battle. We are in a spiritual battle. There is a satanic forces that is absolutely against you and against your family and against your church. And if we are not centered and build this church on the very presence of God, those enemies will devour this church. And I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to remind you that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. You think we just set up pipe and drape there and come to church and turn the lights on and oh, just this is what it is. No, do you know every time you do something in the house of God, you are standing a standard against the works of the devil? Do you know right now there are thousands of people, millions of people that are, that are going to spend an eternity in hell without Christ? Because the devil has tricked us into thinking that there is no spiritual warfare. We go to work, we come home, we do our thing, we live life. We think, man, life's pretty good. Yes, because of God's protection. And we know what that looks like because in the book of Job, God lifted that protection. Remember that? It's very clear in Scripture. God lifted his protection over Job, and Job lost everything. Which tells us this, there's an absolute protection. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And so I want to beckon you, church, to not build your church on a marketing strategy. Don't build, build your church on just a voice. Don't build your church on just looking good. Don't build your church on lights. Don't build your church on fun events. Build your church on the very presence of the living God. So when people come in this room, they man, man, God is in that place. I am in the very manifest presence of God as I walk in this place. Well, I don't know what it is. What is in that place? It's God's presence. It wasn't just a great message. It wasn't just a good, good kids program. It wasn't just good lights and good sound. No, it's the absolute manifest presence of the living God, and if we position ourselves in that place, he will devour your enemies, and he will go before you, and he will take that devil out, whether by a sniper rifle or by a sword, he will take that devil out, and you will say, man, life sure is good. Why do I have no drama in my life? Only by the grace of God, because you positioned yourself in the presence. Stay behind the presence of God. Be a purpose-driven church. And this is what it looks like, Psalms 91, verse 5. Now, you don't need to be afraid of the dark anymore, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plagues of darkness, nor disasters in the morning. Though a thousand fall at my side, though 10,000 are dying around me, the evil will not touch me, and I will see how the wicked are punished, but I will not share it, for Jehovah is my refuge. I choose the God above all gods to shelter me. How then can evil overtake me or any plague come near me? For he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They, 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 they will steady you with their hands to keep you from stumbling against the rocks on the trail. You can safely meet a lion or step on a poisonous snake. Yes, even trample them beneath your feet. I believe, you know, it's like, I don't remember the name of the movie, but that movie about the guy who took a pill and used his whole brain. Wow, there's like seven titles you just threw out me. Let's try one over here. What was that? Limitless. See, what I believe one of the greatest strategies of the devil is to get you to use just a percentage of what God has for you. And it's going to be convicting, so forgive me. You can't read your word once a month and attend church in and out ritualistically and expect yourself to have an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. The benefits from being in the presence of the living God and serving him and loving him 
are far greater than the benefits of living a mundane, ritualistic, religious walk with Christ. And from someone who's spent years in sin's prison as a Christian and has seen breakthrough in my life in areas of alcoholism, sexual addiction, all, you know, all sorts of things in my life, I've seen God break through. And the difference is this. I've chosen to keep Jesus' presence the very center of my life, and I won't move anywhere unless God's with me, and I'm not going to allow others to dictate my future for me. And we'll get to a few other things in a second about what it takes to stay in that presence. You think living a, we often think that a ritualistic religious walk with God is, worth, is enough. No, there's so much more for you. There's so much more for your life. There's so much more for what God has for you. So much more breakthrough. Your marriage gets better. Your relationships get better. Your, pa- your patience gets better. Your life gets better. Your self-control gets better. Things get better in your life. Now, are you going to get rich overnight? Well, probably not. I'm not rich, but you know. But he'll give you just enough to satisfy your needs. I don't just stay in the presence of God because what he does for me, I stay in the presence of God because I am so madly in love with Jesus. Love him. I'm just so grateful. And look, where would my life be if it wasn't for the Lord? Yeah. Just reminded that there's nothing in my life that I have. And man, if, if you guys just knew me even 10 years ago, what a different person today. I don't serve him because of what he does for me. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, the yeast of the Pharisees are those who seek after miracles and signs and wonders and say, God, what do you got for me? And God says, I ain't got nothing for you within the sign of Jonah. He was crucified, he was buried, and he rose from the third day. That's all you need. Let's give, go on to the third one here. I, okay, Ooh, ready? Joshua 3 verse 5. And Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. The third word is holiness. Consecrate yourselves. This is Paramount Kingdom Church. I believe this is a message for the body of Christ across the board in the world today. With all that's happening across the world with pastors and churches seeing moral failure and seeing uh, alcoholism and sexual sin, I'm sure you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. But as a church, we have to recognize that if you want to see God do amazing things for you and your church, you must eradicate sin from your life. I want you to hear me. I'm not talking to those in the room today who say, well, Ryan, I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Yes, I am very much a sinner. I'm first of the altar call. But I want to show you the difference of sin in our life. There's different types of sin, different different qualifications of sin in our life. And I want you to know something today. I want you to hear me, and I say it with boldness, but I say it as an elder in the church. God will not move if there is repeated sin in your life. We see it all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. God says, this cannot continue. And I know this is heavy, and I know you probably don't hear about sin very much on Sunday. But the reason I'm saying this to you today is because I want to see absolute breakthrough in your life. I saw it in my life. I used to, I drank alcohol for years, not a big deal. A pastor drinks alcohol, no big deal. But a time came where I realized I was, there was sin in my life. I was coping with my sin by drinking too much. Having a good old, you know, bourbon and drinking it. Every, I ended up having a glass of, you know, I was drinking a bourbon or drinks every day. And it led into some areas of my life that was sinful eyes wandering or different things in the area of that in my life. And 
My wife and I had a come to Jesus moment where I realized God is not going to move in our church and God is not going to move in our life, Ryan, if you continue to live in that state of sin. And some of you, I'm not opposed to drinking and you can drink. I just don't believe the Bible says don't get drunk. You need to use self-control and moderation. But there was a season where I was, I was trying to cope. I I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that I was drinking more than I should be drinking. I had to come into Jesus moment where I realized God won't move. The moment I last sip I had of alcohol was August 10th, last year. And the moment I stopped drinking alcohol, if this is for my life, we saw salvations literally the next Sunday. Our church doubled in the last year. You say, Ryan, is it because of you? No, it's because the leader of the church, trickling down, since then, we've had people come and have given up alcohol and alcoholism and sexual addiction and all sorts of sins have been coming up and people have been re- repenting. And Why? Because God can't move when there's deliberate sin in, the, in his midst. Look what the scripture says in Psalms, Psalms chapter um, 19. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. So stay there. So stay there for a minute. Thank you. Cleanse me from these what? Hidden faults. So these are things in your life you didn't realize were there. One thing God's been speaking in my life on is judging others. I did a whole series to the book of James, a 16-week book of James, and all I came out of it was, man, how can you say you're a follower of Christ when you have blessings and cursings out of your mouth? I'm like, oh, geez, I better repent. That was a hidden fault in my life. I didn't realize that I was being judgmental when I said these things about this person in private and I would kind of get over here even as a pastor among our team and I'd be like, da, 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 da. and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm gossiping. I'm judging those people. That's absolute sin in my life. I didn't realize that was a thing. And the moment God revealed it to me in scripture, I repent of it and realize now I'm in an ongoing battle to eradicate that deliberate sin from my life. And when I get into conversations with people that were normally very exciting talking trash about somebody else, I realize, oh man, our conversations are super boring now. <laughs> See, these hidden sins in your life are not the things I'm talking about. These aren't the things that are going to keep you from experiencing God's presence. These aren't the things that are going to keep you from moving forward in God. You did, they were blind spots in your life, but if you read your word, he'll reveal it to you. And you become more and more and more like Christ. But there's also a second category in this same scripture. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Look at this. Now he identifies what kind of sins these are. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them what? Control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent. Look at this. Of great sin. This is the sin I'm talking about, deliberate sin, sin that you are aware of that is premeditated in your life that you know that you're struggling with and you know that you're up against and you say, Ryan, I'm going to keep on doing it even though I know God's word says not to do it. Now, I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm not talking about falling off the bandwagon. I'm not talking about, man, I'm, I made it. I looked at that thing again. I'm so sorry I made a mistake. That, that, that's a bit of a gray area there. We're working through it. I'm talking about you saying, you know what? I know this is sin in my life and I know that God's word says not to do it And I know my pastor encouraged me not to, but you know what? I'm just going to continue living this lifestyle. I'm just going to continue talking like this. I'm going to just continue doing this. I'm going to continue in this ungodly, unhealthy relationship. And we're going to continue to do the things we're doing. Why? Because I believe that it's right and it's God, but the scripture says it's not. I want you to hear me, and I know you hate this, and I hate it too. God won't move in your midst with deliberate sin present. He moves when there is holiness. Now, holiness comes from the Lord and the Lord alone. 
But there is something that you and I can do in, in Scripture. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13, in reference to deliberate sin. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. See that exit sign right there? He always provides one of those when you're facing a deliberate sin. Our decision has to be, will I take it? For example... I'm just, I'm a very vulnerable person and honest, so you probably think I'm a terrible sinner by the time I'm done. My wife and I were at Joey's yesterday, and there's, uh, a lot of these restaurants have very, in a, I think, uh, I don't want to be provocatively dressed females. And where I was sitting in the, in, the, in the bar, where we were sitting, I was sitting there, and I was, and there was just a lot of very attractive women. And I found myself struggling to not want to look. And so I said, babe, can we switch spots? I said, I need to sit on the other side so I can look at all these old, unattractive men (laughs) who are looking at the women. They could have gone anywhere and they chose there. Anyways, so I switched spots. That was an exit sign. My temptation was more than I, okay, God, I, I, that was very tempting for me. I'm on a date with my wife, for goodness sakes, and I can't even look her in the eyes because there's all these beautiful women around me. I'm a man. I, I wanted to look. And so what I did is I switched spots, and she came over and was like, well, what happened? I was like, oh, I just need a better view, you know. And I, these old, ugly men that I had to look at. But God gives you a way of escape for these things. And I want you to know that from a person who has dealt with major sin in my own life, there is freedom for you. There's breakthrough for you. There's breakthrough in these areas of your life. Don't be afraid to share them with your spouse or to share them with your pastor, to share them with a friend. Don't be afraid to share those things with them. And why do we want to eradicate sin from our life? Joshua 3, verse 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. You see that? Get yourself ready because he's going to do amazing things, but you got to consecrate yourself. And look what Hebrews chapter 12. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Look at this. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Ryan, what do I do? Very simple. Well, easier said than done. But you repent. You repent and you turn from your sin. Acts chapter 3. Repent and turn from your sin so that your sins may be wiped out. Look at this. So that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You think, I thought life was better in sin, being a Christian and even being a pastor. I thought life was better keeping it to myself. But there are times of refreshing that are waiting behind your repentance. Then church, if we together begin to say, you know what? I'm going to eradicate this deliberate sin from my life. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to get it out loud. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another, and you'll be what? Healed. So if you begin to confess that sin to your neighbor, confess that sin to a pastor, confess that sin to your spouse, I want to make a promise to you, money back guaranteed. How about that? that you will experience a time of refreshing, a a relationship with God you never had. It may not just be sexual. It may not be alcohol. It might just be you're a liar. It might just be your judgmental. It might just be your gossip. It might just be maybe you have unbelief in your heart and you need God to forgive you of your unbelief. It might just be whatever it might be in your life. I want to encourage you, begin to confess it to the Lord and times of refreshing will come in. Okay, let me get to the end here. Uh, the rest of it's encouraging. Don't worry. Number four, 
Well, maybe this one's not so much. It's okay. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Number four, commitment. Fourth word. Look at what happened. So he says, okay, guys, stay behind the presence of God. Okay, stay in that place. Now I need you to consecrate yourself. Get yourself ready. Now he says, okay, I need you to appoint 12 leaders from every tribe. I need you to grab 12 men from the tribe of, tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. Before he could go in to the promised land and go into this next season, he needed the leaders in the room to step up. He needed the leaders in the room to say, okay, well, we know we're going to face some giants here. We know we're going to face Jericho. We know this is going to be challenging. We know that there's a lot of other things I might rather be doing than this, but I know that God has called me to Kingdom Church. God has called me to Harrison and Christie. And in this season, I want to call forth every person in the room who wants to serve in this house. I want to encourage those in the room who are on the fringe saying, should I make this my church or not? I love you, but make a choice and let's move forward. Make that decision to say, okay, today I'm going to serve the Lord. Today I'm going to serve in this house. I'm going to help build the vision. I'm going, to, I'm going to give my money to it. I'm going to give my time to it. I'm going to give my effort to it. I'm not going to go halfway. And I want you to know, when you vow to be a leader in Kingdom Church, you are dying to your gifting. You are dying to your ministry. You are dying to your dream of success. The Bible says that Jesus said in the scripture that the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. I tell people at our church when they come in and say, Ryan, Pastor Ryan, I got a gift for this. I say, that's awesome. But this is, let me draw you this picture. We're out working in a field and you come in and you got your shovel. I say, Ryan, check out my shovel. I say, that's a great shovel. I need you to put that shovel at the entrance and just come in and get your hands dirty. Well, Ryan, what about my gifting? Well, that gifting actually isn't about you. That was a gifting God gave you for his church. It's not for you. What happens is when you lay down your gifting and you lay down your ministry and you lay down the idea that it's about me, say, that's no longer about me. It's about the people of God. It's about serving one another in love. It's about laying my life down for each other. It's about the lost people that need to be reached. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about building this house. It's about the people who need help. It's about the, the Christians who need to get saved. Hallelujah. It's about people who need to come into the house of God. Okay, I'm no longer making this about me. I'm no longer making this about my agenda. I'm no longer making this about my schedule. Hey, choose 12 men. Um, oh, I'll go, Joshua. You know what you have to do? you got to cross this massive water, and you're going to be the first ones that are going to go against Jericho. I know. Well, Joshua, we are with you. I want to be a part of what's going to happen in this next season. So I want to call you out today. Get off the fence. I love you. But if you're, if you're on the fence for too long, maybe there's another church you need to be a part of. Harrison's like, right, what are you saying? <laughs> a lot of times I find that when we're building the church, the people that I spend the most time with are the people who have an issue with how we do ministry, the vision where we're going or what we're doing or how we're going to get there. And I say, hey, listen, can you just stop and just go with us? It's not perfect. The worship isn't perfect. The preaching's not perfect. The, the, the signs aren't perfect. Nothing's perfect, but we're doing our best to serve God's kingdom. So I want to encourage you today to make a fresh commitment. And I know that Harrison talks often about the amazing people in this church that are committed. And I want you to know, because of your commitment, God is going to do amazing things in this house. And lastly here today, expectation. Look at the scripture in verse 13. As soon as the priest, this is Joshua talking, not God talking. 
Now, if you look through the scripture, we don't see God telling Joshua anything about a battle plan. He did for Jericho, but we don't see Joshua getting direction at all. Look what he says. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Joshua was speaking with faith and expectation. Joshua didn't have any sign or any evidence that this was going to happen. Uh, you know, what did he have in his memory? Do you remember? He had Moses and the Red Sea. All he had in his memory was the things that God had done yesterday. And he wanted to believe that God, what you did yesterday, you're going to do it today. God, what you did in my life yesterday, you're going to do it again. That's like song, that, the song, Same God. God, you did it yesterday. You're the same God yesterday as you are today. The same miracle that God did to get you where you are today, he wants to do it again today. The things that God wants to do in your life in this next season, they might be supernatural to the point where you don't know, wow, God, I've never seen that before. But I believe God is a God of saying, you know what? I, I provided grace in your life. I'm going to do it again. I provided provision in your life. I'm going to do it again. I provided an opportunity in your life. I'm going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. And on your lips needs to be the voice of expectation. God, I expect you to cause this water to go up in heaps. God, I expect the finances to come through. I expect us to reach people. God, I expect there to be miracles in the house of God. God, I expect there to be a revival in this house. God, I expect there to be the voice of the Lord. I expect there to be the presence of God. I expect marriages to be restored. I expect lives to be made new. I expect lives to be transformed by the living God. I expect God to do miracles in this place. I don't want to go to a church that's boring and dead, for goodness sakes. I want to go to a church where I walk in and there's expectation. And when I walk in that room, God's going to change my life. When I walk in that room, God's going to heal binds and heal bodies and restore life. When I walk in that room today, the church that I'm building is a church of expectation. Joshua had no evidence, had no word from God in that moment. He was just speaking by faith. I saw Moses do it, so God, do it again. I want to encourage you, church, personally and as a church, Harrison, this is for you and Christy and the leaders, but also individually. I want you to go back. Two things. Go back. And look back at the things God said he was going to do that he did do. Remind yourself of how God acted on your behalf when he said that he was going to. I also want you to go back and look at all the prophetic words over your life. The scriptures that God spoke to you. The things that God mentioned to your heart and said, man, we're going to do this one day. We're going to go here one day. We're going to create this one day. I want you to go back and say, okay, God, I'm calling you on your word. I believe that you're going to cause that water to be pushed back, oh God. In this next season, I'm going to see that business started or I'm going to have that ministry launched or I'm going to be a part of that. You're going to provide that thing, God, or that relationship. Whatever it is God said over you, he is faithful to restore, to do what he said he would do. His word comes forth and it will not return to him void. Expectation. Now let's look at the last scripture here. I know I'll keep you a long time. I don't even know what time your service ends, Harrison. Sorry, guys. Let's read this last verse here today. Verse 14. So they had a leader with fresh courage and to take on this new season. And they, they chose to stay behind the presence of God and not do their own thing. They consecrated themselves to God and cleared sin out of their life. They made a fresh commitment to the vision of the church and to Joshua, the leader. And they increased their expectation for God to do mighty miracles among them. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, 
the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now remember, this is in flood season. The Jordan is at flood stage. So normally, the water is about 100 feet wide and about 10 feet deep. At flood stage, it's a mile long and over 50 feet deep. And if you saw a picture of the Jordan, there's so much foliage and so much branches and trees that a person could barely even get to the shore. Look what it says in the scripture. As soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan, look at this. And this is my prophetic word for you. This is time to put your feet on the water's edge. And the water from upstream stopped flowing. And it piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over the opposite to Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. And while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. This is what's coming for Kingdom Church. Prophetic miracle moments where you say, only God. But it comes with some preparation. As we end our time, I want to pray. A few verses later, God tells Joshua to get a bunch of stones and build a memorial in the very middle of the water. And he said, because one day your children are going to ask what he did that day. It was for your children's children's children, generations to come. We'll look back and say, Paris, tell me about the time you got that building. Tell me about the time God brought breakthrough in your life. Tell me about the time this happened or your marriage was restored or your, your life was made. Tell me about that time again. Build a stone of memorial in your life because your children's children, this kingdom church is not just about Harrison. It's about his kids, 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 kids. A church of generations. Come on, won't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you today. Thank you for letting me take some extra time there this morning. Holy Spirit, we just come before you right now. We just say, Lord, thank you for your church. Lord, I, I, we, we, we come with expectation, Lord, knowing, God, you are going to do amazing things in the coming days. And Father, I declare, everyone watching online and everyone in the room today, Father, we declare that, God, this is your church and we're going to stay behind your presence. We're not going to get out in front of you, God. Lord, we're going to eradicate sin from our life. Lord, we're going to make a fresh commitment to serve you and your purposes, oh God. And Father, we are going to raise our expectation and believe that, God, you will do what you said that you would do. So, Father, we declare today, Lord, that you would just forgive us of any area of sin in our life, Lord. Come on, with every eye closed right now. You're in the room. And you say, Ryan, man, that just message relates to me today. I just want to, one of those four or five things. And that's you today. Every eye closed. Just put your hand in the air real quick. I want to pray for you. I won't call you forward. I just want to pray for you. Amen. Lord, we see these hands lifted. And those in the room who maybe don't know you or watching online, God, we declare right now, Father, Lord, those hands lifted means that they're ready to go to the next season. That means they're in. That means, okay, here we go. So I pray, Father, for your grace to minister to them, your grace to help them in their season of, of, of identifying areas of their life, your grace, God, to be with them in this season. And we pray for an influx of harvest into Kingdom Church. And let this next season be a Jordan-crossing season for Kingdom Church in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said. 
Thank you for listening to the message. We hope it blessed you and that you're encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and we would love to connect with you. Be blessed as you continue your week.